Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Air It Out Podcast. I am your host, Ryan the Goose Gosker, here with you, as always, episode 33. If you keep a track at home, uh, what's 33? The Larry Bird, Tim Larry Wiggins, Bird, all day. Uh, the Jamal Adams, if we're going more modern day. Bro. Yeah, no, I know. Jolan is secretly a Jeff fan in the closet. We, we understand. Jamal. Uh, yeah, I can tell. But, uh, <laughs> welcome back to the podcast. Jolan, welcome. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, no, we think Jolan's here. Uh, maybe, maybe Jet fan Jolan is here. Not sure. Uh, today's guest, we have Nick McCarthy, who was on week one of the NFL season. Uh, now we're bringing him back for Wild Card Weekend. Nick, welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Happy New Year. Good to see everyone again. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. All that good stuff. Bro. Yeah, Happy New Year. We're uh, hopefully you know, putting putting the demons of last year somewhat aside. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of NFL. Here we go. Week 17. My picks, 11-5. and Jolan, we talked about last week. Getting to that under 100 loss mark, huge 157 and 98 in the regular season. Uh, that comes out to 255. There were 256 games played, but the reason one is not in there is because it was a tie, which therefore means I did not either win nor lose uh, that scenario. So 157 and 98, I'll take that. That's a pretty good record. Um, Better than most guys on Fox. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, well, if uh, if they need somebody, you know, here I am. <laughs> uh, but looking back at the games, Buffalo puts up a 56 spot. Uh, on Miami. Miami just gets absolutely destroyed. Baltimore takes care of business. Cleveland almost loses to Pittsburgh's backup, and then they basically lose their whole team. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Minnesota squeaked out a win without Dalvin Cook. Very impressive. The New York Jets couldn't complete their uh, we-want-to-ruin-our-tank job moment. Uh, They did end up losing to New England. The Giants beat Dallas, uh, which is what they needed to do. Now we'll talk about what Philly didn't do. Uh, Tampa Bay wins 44-27 over Atlanta. No surprise. Green Bay beats Chicago. Vegas beats Denver in what is probably the most unprecedented year for that. that and not even like that they missed the playoffs, just how up and down they've been. They beat the Chiefs. They come close to beating them a second time. Then they fall to teams in, uh, like Atlanta, and uh, they come close to losing to Denver. Indianapolis beats Jacksonville. No surprise. Kansas City rests their starters. They lose to the Chargers. As they win, then they fire their head coach, Anthony Lynn. Uh, Doug Marone of the Jaguars is fired, too, by the way. Adam Gase, if you didn't know he was fired by now, you're just an idiot. Sorry. Uh, Arizona loses to uh, Jordan Wolford, I believe is his name, out of Wake Forest. The quarterback for the L.A. Rams is Jared Goff. is out. Seattle Speaks volumes for Sean McVay. Uh, of course, system guy. Uh, Seattle beats San Francisco. New Orleans takes care of Carolina, no surprise. Uh, Tennessee squeaks out a win over Houston. Uh, we're going to have to talk about them in a little bit. And uh, Washington beats Philly. Yeah, just jumping into some headlines. Also, one thing you forgot to mention is Cam Newton's on his way out the door. Of course he is. So let's speculate real quick. Do you guys see Cam Newton being a starter in the NFL anymore? Nick, yeah. I'll start with you. Where? I don't. I don't really see him being a starter in the NFL anymore. I mean, this year proved it. He uh, tweeted out all the time how hungry he was. Everyone's going to realize, like, the big dog's out, blah, blah, blah. And then, I mean, granted, too, you got to remember the Patriots really didn't have that much room to work with. Bill Belichick is coming off a year where he doesn't have the guys that he's used to. As we see, Tom Brady leaves. He now takes Tampa Bay to a playoffs. And now it's the first time New England's missed a playoff. No coincidence there. But, I don't know, to me, Cam Newton just seems like the injuries and stuff, it's all taking a toll on his body, and I don't see him in the NFL anymore. And you said it, and you said it a good point, because Bill Belichick even said himself he didn't have all the pieces. They kind of sold out for three rings in five years. Goose, does that defend Cam Newton's argument? I mean, they also had eight opt-outs this year, mostly on defense, a lot of their big-time defensive players. Listen, you said Cam tweets out, he's hungry, let the big dog eat. Listen, man, maybe because of that low salary, he couldn't eat as well as he's normally, you know, maybe he's actually hungry. Uh, I don't really know, but he's not a I'm starter. I'm to steak, boys. <laughs> he's, he, is not a, he is not a starter in the NFL next year, and but some team will get him for the men, you know. Some team will pick him up as their backup when they need him. Uh, can probably run scouts. And it's interesting. We talk about more player departures. Atlanta, they're already talking about moving off Julio and Matt Ryan. Maybe, just maybe, Cam Newton can find himself in a nice situation in Atlanta. I mean, you got to think full rebuild finally for Atlanta, right? They've been trying to hold on to this thing for years, ever since they collapsed, really, in the Super Bowl. They've been just holding on to this thing, and it just doesn't work. Julio, bro, I'm telling you, that hamstring has been hurt since he was 10 years old. I don't know what's going on, but every week he's on the injury report with a toe, a hamstring, whatever it is. And Matt Ryan, again, they just I, – I don't know what it is with Atlanta. They have the talent, but I think they're meant – I think that that Super Bowl loss mentally defeated them. I, I really do. As a franchise do. entirely. Yeah, and Matt Ryan is a player, 
Um, and True, you see him head-to-head head with Tom Brady even today. Yep. Can't yep. win the big game. So, you know, a lot of interesting storylines as we head into the offseason. Again, teams that got a lot to do. Jacksonville has their quarterback now. Trevor Lawrence officially declared for the draft. So uh, the only thing he's waiting for is the commissioner say his name. He'll be standing next to the Jags GM on draft day. So. A lot of questions with Deshaun Watson. A lot of questions with Sam Darnold. Do you see more quarterbacks on the move this year more than ever? So This is really interesting. So I'm going to go to the Jets one first because for some odd reason, somehow they are the more interesting storyline here. Uh, what they do with Sam Darnold is really fascinating. To me, I don't think he's done enough to prove he's your guy. I really don't. I'm the same way with Daniel Jones. He's shown flashes, though. Like correct, flashes. but that's great. Flashes only work flashes. For, for that for that long. But, again, I just I think he's got a turnover problem. And I think, again, you're not going to get a, a King's Ransom for him. But, like, you could try to get something. You know, something's better than nothing, right? I mean, always. I don't know. Nick, what do you think? I mean, we're also, if we're talking about Darnold here, we're Look at a guy who's been under Adam Gase for how long. That's and you also got to right. remember the uh, the Tannehill effect. Look what happened when Gase was who was happened to be fired by the Miami Dolphins when Tannehill was under center there. Everyone thought, "Wow, Tannehill bust. He's not that good." Next, thing you know, he gets moved to Tennessee, and look what's going on in Tennessee. They just won the AFC South. They hit a great playoff run last year, beating Tom Brady and the Patriots in their last year. But now, I guess your argument there too is, well, he's got Derrick Henry. Yeah, but now you see how good. That Tannehill is. He right. makes defenses think more about a pass, and which opens up a run. And then Derrick Henry does the exact opposite, open up the deep ball with all those weapons. But Tannehill's proved since he moved on from Gase that he is a top tier quarterback. Yeah, and he's he's in a really good situation. Mike Bravel's a really good coach. Um, yeah, no, they got a lot of things going there in Tennessee. Um, again, but that's the thing with Darnold. Like Tannehill had to had to go to a different city. Can Darnold stay there and that effect take place? That I don't know. Now, to Deshaun Watson, listen, this has been a thing, and, and again, whether you whether you like it or not, and it, there are some there are some upper bound extremes, like we talked about the Clippers last year, of, of teams catering to their stars too much. In this scenario, when you tell your franchise quarterback that he's going to have input on who the GM is and who the coach is, and he tells you who he wants, and you don't even interview him, that's a smack in the face. And I and I really think Deshaun Watson is growing frustrated with Houston and that organization. Listen, they got Nick Cesario from the Patriots. He's a Patriot guy. We'll see. They're not overall, they don't have a great track record. But they come highly honest. recommended. This oh, guy of course they're highly recommended. recommended. They come from the greatest coach of all time. But, you know, again, what do they do with Deshaun Watson? Does he request a trade at some point? Who knows? What would they get for him? Think about it. Jalen Ramsey got you, you got two firsts for Jalen Ramsey, and uh, Jalen Ramsey's not a scrub, but like that's a corner in this league. So we're, now we're talking quarterback, which brings up an interesting point for all the Jet fans out there who are begging for the Jets to make a move on Deshaun Watson. I mean, do you, does just Sean Watson want to go to the same situation where if New York dumps all their draft picks into him, they go back and now they can't put a team around him? Now he's just He's in New York instead of Houston with the same situation. Then the Jets fans find themselves in the same rut for another five, ten years. I mean, listen, if the price is right and you have a chance to go after him, and if you're really that done with Darnold, you got to see what the new coaching regime's going to do, who they want to be their guy and everything. But you got to see if the price is right. There's a way you can swap out Darnold for Watson while still retaining a good amount of those draft picks. Then why not? But if it's just to throw all your eggs in one basket, get rid of your draft picks where you can build up and have a sustainable future, then I think it's just foolish. This reeks of uh, you remember last year when Colin Coward was going on this whole Russell Wilson to the Giants thing? This reeks the same kind of oh, yeah. B.O. Sierra this, wants this, to be this, in New York. Right, right. What's next? Deshaun's wife wants to be in New York. She, she, Her favorite color is green. I don't know. But, uh, but no, those are going to be some interesting storylines. My, my guess is he stays but uh, you never know. You never know. We've seen crazier things happen. Especially with all the teams looking for a quarterback. Like I said, you just never know. Of course. Know. And then we have Tankgate this weekend. Just, bro, what a week What a week 17, not only with talk the playoffs. Talk about quarterbacks, Sudfield. Right. And it, Well, I don't even want to talk about Sudfield. But listen, again, here's the thing. The Giants, yes. Did the Giants only go 6-10? Yes. But the problem is... Oh, he, yeah, we should have won more games before we start complaining. Co- I agree. Correct. However... That was the situation you're in. Yes. Again, it's great to look back and say, well, hindsight, you know, and again, I did it too. If the Giants, if Evan Ingram makes the catch on third and six with 210 left against Philly on Thursday night earlier in the season, the Giants win that game, that game 
would have meant nothing. However, Pro this, Bowler Evan Ingram. Uh, yeah, no, that's the big garbage. <laughs> that's the most ridiculous I'll Pro Bowl selection in, in 15 to 20 years at least. Listen, Philly, I, I understand what they're trying to do, but to do it in the middle of a game while your guys are playing that hard, to me is hard is a hard sell to the locker room. Like, and and that, that's really who Doug... Doug Peterson don't have to answer to me. He don't have to answer to you, to you. He don't have to answer to Joe Judge. He's not, he answers to his owner. He answers to his team. And that's about it. So to do that while they're only down three points... And by the way, Washington turned the ball over three times in the fourth quarter. You're going to tell me Jalen Hurts couldn't lead a game-winning touchdown drive? Or capitalize off two of those. Or or at least do something. They had a, they had a chance to tie it earlier. But this was, this was... And we've seen teams tank before... But they just do it for the whole game. They really, this was like, I've never seen announcers call call a team out like this. Like, Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels were on top of this thing. They had they had cameras on the offensive linemen, which I love uh, because they never get put in the spotlight anyway. But uh, they were they were on top of this like I've never seen before. Jalen Hurts was on the sideline, and you saw about 20 minutes of Jalen Hurts in that fourth quarter. Yeah. It, it's crazy. It's certainly an interesting situation because you would think going into a game like that, does Peterson have the game plan mapped out where he knows he's going to pull his starter in that situation and everything? Now, that all goes into effect, but you don't know. And, yes, it's fun to see all the Giant fans on Twitter complaining while they should have – they really had hurt themselves this whole season. Should've they should have been – should have been in their own – or should have been in a better position, I should say. But that's the way it goes, and that's – What's going to happen? Like you said, he's got to answer to his own locker room and everyone else in that yeah, organization. Like you guys are saying, they showed close-ups of all the players. They showed close-ups of Hurts basically the entire fourth quarter. This is a team, Miles Sanders, the next day goes on radio and says he denounced everything that happened. They wanted to win. You have Redskins, oh, excuse me, Washington football team players going up to Jalen Hurts after the game, even saying, we don't know what would happen if you stayed in. Slapping the face to his whole team. Slap in the face. If his owners made him do it, then slap in the face to Doug himself because no one wants to compete to lose. And I really, really don't think they reconstruct this locker room. I've been thinking about what this situation was like, trying to find an analogy for it. And really the only thing I could come up with is like when you're in a, when you're in a high school or college course and your final exam project, whatever you want to call it, comes down to a group project. And you gotta you got to rely on somebody else in the group to potentially help pull your grade. Now, should you have done better earlier in the semester? Yeah. Yeah, you should have. But at the end of the day, that's the situation you're in, and you have a chance to improve and get to where you want to go. And again, it's like your classmate, you know, he's got five pages to write. On page three, he just says, ah, screw this. I'm I'm done. And then your grade tanks. There you go. Granted, you're talking about uh, these two uh, partners in the same group are bitter division rivals who – Cities are known for hating each other, so this you can't. True. So you can't really fault the Eagles entirely for not wanting to help out the Giants there. Now, does this situation help them get a dr- better draft pick in the future? Maybe Doug Peterson and GMC for what? We'll Ray see. Over All right, but you know what? <laughs> it's not that crazy. It's so long ago, or if we remember last year, "Tank for Two was a slogan. Or uh, you want the Jets to tank so they can get Lawrence, and now all of a sudden people are having a problem with it. I just think the hypocrisy, hypocrisy is just pretty funny to me. The yeah. hypocrisy is through the roof. And but granted, as a competitor, would you guys ever just throw it entirely for a guy that might replace no, no, no. you? And I don't think any... It, none of this came from the players. Yeah. They know that Jalen Hurts gave them a better chance to win. They they were playing hard. You could see it all night long. Which, that, is, which is why I asked the question. Was this locker room ever going to be restructured? Not with Doug Peterson. I don't believe it. The owner sold him out. That's tough. That's a fair point. That's Yeah, that's tough. Because again, that's a, that's a very hard conversation you're going to have to have with those guys. Uh, you talk about guys like well-respected guys in this league, like Jason Kelsey, Brandon Brooks, uh, or Brandon Graham, excuse me. Uh, all these different Fletcher Cox, even Miles, has even Miles Sanders. Well, he's getting traded. He's out the door. Speaking so of that, really I was just about to say, here we go. Wentz is another one who's looking on the move. Uh, I think I said it to you, Joel, on the other day when you texted or sent me something on Twitter. Oh, yeah. I said New England. Oof. It would be interesting. It, that Him with Josh McDaniels, I... And he, and he has dragged the team of no, no-name no receivers before. He Seems like a quarterback that. right up Belichick's alley. Yeah. Uh, and some, he's more mobile than Tom Brady ever was. Yeah, but he's going to he's gonna mess up Belichick's cap. I can see him on the Colts. Belichick does not like – well, that's because the Frank Wright connection um, is clear and obvious, but a lot of Colt fans don't want him. Rightfully so, uh, to be completely honest. Does but, Carson Wentz start next year? 
Uh, somewhere, probably. Jacksonville. <laughs> no. no, Jacksonville's going to have their rookies starting. Come on, man. They got the rock star down there now. Joe Burrow returns to the Bengals. Yep. He he said on Colin Coward's show this week that he's uh, all things of recovery are pointing to him being available for week one next year. Excellent. So uh, that's great news to hear. Joel, listen, as much as I would love to talk about Philly and how much they throw snowballs at Santa Claus and they throw batteries on the field, I want to talk about the upcoming postseason matchups because – that that did happen, uh, so we have some fun and exciting matchups. Let's get right to it. Well, we'll start with the bye weeks. Obviously, the Chiefs and Packers lock up the number one seeds for their respective conferences, so they don't have a game week one with the seven games being played. The number two seeds do. The number seven Colts take on the number two Bills. The Bills have dropped back on 64% of their first down plays this season, the highest first down passing rate by a winning team over the past 20 seasons. That's up 53% from last season. Buffalo's 2,493 passing yards on first down is an NFL's leading team. Let's go with Nick. Nick, who do you like here? Why can the Colts defense stop the blazing hot Bills that dropped 50 with their backups against a good Miami team? I'm going with the Bills in this one, but it's going to be uh, probably by a field goal. It'll be a lot closer than most people think. Colts side. Uh, Colts do have a decent defense that uh, step up a few times this year. Philip Rivers has proven that he can uh, get the receivers out to his balls. And Naheem Hines, as well as Jonathan Taylor, have been a beautiful addition in the backfield for Indianapolis, as well as when you have a guy like Quentin Nelson on your line that's fun to run behind. But uh, the Bills are just too much, I think. They're just uh, – they're if it wasn't for uh, the Chiefs, they would clearly be the number one seed. They're just, no, they're just an all-around really good football team. And uh, this is them, no problem. When you look at the team's rosters entirely, you got the Colts sending three or four people to the All-Pro list, the Bills doing the same. Goose, who do you like in this stout matchup? Yeah, and you look at it, again, every year there's this one team that, you know, you know is going to be good, but then they exceed expectations. Uh, you talk about a team like the Ravens last year uh, who went 14-2, and two, uh, obviously flunked out in the playoffs. Now, listen... Uh, I agree with Nick. I think this game's going to be a lot closer, than, especially than what the spread is predicting. Six and a half. Uh, the Colt, that Colt defense is really good, and defense travels. Uh, that's the one thing we do know. And Phillip Rivers, this could be his last shot. Uh, you know, again, we I don't think, we yeah. don't know how yeah. long he's going to play. Listen, he's got to take care of his hundred kids at some <laughs> point. Okay, so this could be it. Now, uh, with all six thousand seven hundred seventy-two fans being in attendance, because Governor Cuomo will not be there now. Uh, that one additional Bills Mafia member, uh, I like the Bills in this game. I think it makes all the difference. And uh, that whole, that place is going to be rocking. What what a parking lot that must be like on uh, on on Saturday Saturday afternoon, Saturday morning, actually. Speaking from experience, uh, Buffalo tailgates are an extraordinary time. It's Nick, insane out there. Nick has seen some broken tables. We'll move on to the <laughs> AFC's number six, Cleveland Browns, going, on, going against the number three, Pittsburgh Steelers. Goose, you alluded to it before. Pittsburgh almost beat Cleveland last week with their second strings. Cleveland now is COVID-ridden entirely. Half their roster won't even be there. Goose, let's start with you. Who do you like? Yeah, I think not even this week. It's not even so much about their roster because they've gotten a decent amount of guys back. But uh, they lose an all-pro lineman to testing positive this week. Uh, and you lose head coach Kevin Stefanski. That's the big one because him and Baker are really attached at the hip. They have been all year long. And a coach seeing it on the field. Now, again, remember, he cannot communicate with them. So even when he sees things on his television that Baker can't or the team can't. That's a rule? What do you mean? There's not allowed to, like, he's not allowed to get his own booth Bro, somewhere if in he, the stadium? If he was, he'd be calling the plays. That's true. But he's not, he's not calling the plays. He's not allowed in the stadium because yeah, he killed the protocols. I, right. Why would he be allowed in the stadium? Uh, I don't know. Right. right. So, they got enough money they could figure it out, but you're right. Listen, I would love, I would love to give... I would love Cleveland to win this game, but I I can't, I can't see it. I think Pittsburgh's just got too much right now. Uh, again, if this team wasn't depleted, but I will tell you, I think it is closer. I, I think it is closer than people expect. I've heard people, oh, are they going to shut the Browns out? No, I think again, when your backs are against the wall, and they're listen, they're like halfway in the wall at this point. Uh, I think you find a way to claw. I don't think it's enough, but I think the Steelers take home the W. Yeah, I agree. I think it's all Steelers. I would love to give the city of Cleveland something positive in return for uh, what they gave me and Francisco Lindor, which we'll get into in a little bit. Let's go, baby. But uh, the Steelers, uh, they're just a little too much for this COVID-ridden Browns. And like we said last week, we saw them almost march back with backups in. Uh, this is the Steelers, this is a Steelers team that I personally think is uh, a little overrated, and they're probably going to get smacked around the next round, but they're going to beat the Browns. 
They will move forward and we'll move on to the five versus four matchups staying in the AFC. We have the number five Baltimore Ravens taking on the number four Col- uh, Titans, rather. Now, Nick, you alluded something before that Ryan Tannehill might be like a bust in sorts of like his draft pick and position. But remind you, he got drafted behind Andrew Luck, Robert Griffin III, Russ Wilson, and even Nick Foles. He's doing a pretty good job. Do you think the Titans can win this matchup? And do you think the Titans, to carry on to the playoff momentum, need Tannehill more than Henry or Henry more than Tannehill? I said that in regards to uh, him being under Gase when he, yeah, was coming out of, when he was coming out of Miami and a lot of people were giving up on him right away. But uh, I like the Titans this one. I think they're, they're going to beat up on the Ravens again. Derrick Henry is a force. There's nobody that could stop him. He can run through a brick wall, I'm convinced, and it's just incredible to watch. And then when they get sucked in to try and stop him, you know, Tannehill can air it down to A.J. Brown, Corey Davis. That's a team that's got some weapons on the outside, too. And don't be uh, shocked, too, if you see Tannehill move his feet. He's been known to uh, do that a few times as well. Speaking about moving your feet, Goose, the Ravens are number one in the NFL with rushing yards having 13 137 over the past five games and 3,000 over the entire season, which is fourth most in the season in NFL history. Do you think they rely more on the pass game here with Derrick Henry being able to manage the game, control the clock in essence with the run game? No, they can't. Like, have we have we not have we not seen Lamar try to be a passing quarterback? <laughs> so rude, bro. Again, he's been a little bit better this year. Yes, but at the end of the day, I listen. I when these first when this matchup first came out, I'm like. The Ravens, you know, they're hotter than a fox in a forest fire. But the problem is you you then remember who plays quarterback for them. And again, based on what we've seen in the postseason, Lamar is not that guy yet. He can become that guy, who knows, this year, a couple years. But right now, we haven't seen anything. And this might be the fastest game in NFL history because both teams are going to run the ball probably a combined I think it's 65, 70 times. I think it goes total. over over 350 yards rushing. Each team goes over I, I mean, they're just going to dig it out. And again, A.J. Brown, uh, this, some of the games I've seen, he's had some drops, uh, but I think he's been much sharper lately. Derrick Henry somehow still gets over 2,000 yards. Uh, just a ridiculous, ridiculous game last week. And I think Tannehill makes enough plays. Uh, again, we talk about this kind of offensive scheme that a lot of these teams run, the ones that have Ryan Tannehill Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, run the ball, dominate up front, set up that play action. You only have to make five or six throws instead of having to make 20 to 25 throws. Uh, I like Tennessee at home in this game. We'll move on. We'll go actually go to the NFC now, uh, NFC conference, rather, and we'll move on to the number seven Bears at the number two Saints. Now, what's interesting is the Saints have been digressing, even though they're headed to the postseason as the number two seed. Drew Brees has obviously been affected by his rib injuries, while the Bears done the opposite five straight games of over 30 points for the first time in our lifetimes for sure nick we'll start with you can the bears pull the upset can they pack drew Brees up for a career who knows i don't think so i just think that the saints have uh too much weapons and uh, alvin kamara in the backfield is going to be true he can just do everything you can run the ball with him you can dump on the ball he he just proves that he's gonna be too much while the bear defense is really good mitchell trubisky is not enough for them it's uh, unfortunate to say it was a nice comeback. I love Allen Robinson. He's a guy who uh, is just in an unfortunate situation where he doesn't have anyone to get him the ball as more. He needs the ball. He needs to get the ball more for that team to win. I mean, it's they're fun to watch them making the playoffs at eight and eight, but uh, I think the Saints are too much. The league, the NFL, it, it, it's kind of funny. We see this in the in the NBA. They make sure their best players are available to play in the games that mean the most. And that includes Christmas. That includes all the big times. The NFL, they they have the flex, but at at certain points, they're just like, eh, the schedule is what the schedule is. They really helped the Saints out in this one. Because if Kamara, if this game was Saturday, Kamara would not have fit into the 10-day quarantine protocol after he tested positive for COVID. That would have been the last day of his quarantine. So actually, this game being played on Sunday is very meaningful for them. I think with him back, uh, the VR he was able to do all week, being at practice while not actually being at practice, uh, I just I just like the Saints too much. You mentioned what Kamara does, uh, Mitch Trubisky. Uh, listen, my Bears fan friends, they they know exactly what I think of Mitch, and uh, this is the end of the road for the Bears. I think the Saints win this one. The wild card round in the NFC continues with the number six Rams taking on the number three Seahawks in a little NFC West battle going on. Seahawks quarterback Russ Wilson. Has six passing touchdowns of 30-plus air yards this season, tied with Patrick Mahomes for the most in the NFL. However, he only went 2 of 16 with zero touchdowns and an interception on throws 
over that in the last eight games of the season. So obviously Russ Wilson struggling as we head to the postseason. Do you think there's a way the Rams win this game, even though they're barring so many injuries? Goose, we'll start with you. Listen, their pass defense is ridiculous. They have a really good pass defense. Again, we get to see DK Metcalf versus Jalen Ramsey, Tyler Lockett against the rest of the defense. Uh, just a lot of fun and, and a really good matchup. I like Seattle in this game. Uh, Russell Wilson, you know, as Dick Vitale would call him, a PTPer, a primetime player. He, he, he saves his best theatrics uh, for the postseason. And I think at home, that defense is playing a lot better than it did. It was a joke earlier in the season. Uh, everybody and their mother was running over them. Now that defense is kind of sharpened up. I think Bobby Wagner will have those boys ready to play. I don't know if the guy from Wake can do it. I don't know if Jared Goff could do it, even if he comes back. He's questionable this week. Uh, I don't know if he can do it. I like the Seahawks in this one. Sean McVay has been tight-lipped whether about Goff has been playing or not. Nick, do you think the Rams have a chance without Goff, or what do you think they have uh, a chance for? I think I agree with uh, Goss on this one. I mean, I was just about to say how Russell Wilson is always known for some postseason magic or just making things happen at all times. Every game, not I mean, postseason. It's going to be fun to watch Metcalf on with Ramsey, and you get to see some of that Rams pass rush. But like you said, Seahawks defense has stepped up, and uh, especially if you don't see Goff slinging it back there, it's going to uh, be a be a long day for the Rams. I mean, granted, the Rams did win last week without Goff. We're talking about the Cardinals playoffs. versus the Seahawks. We're talking playoff football indeed. And we'll move on to number five versus number four matchup. We have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Washington football team. Um, boys, Tom Brady has entered the wild card for the first time in his entire career. He takes on a 6-10 and 10 Washington team. Goose, or 7-9 rather. 7-9 Washington 7-9. 7-9. Wins the division, barely in the NFC East, which has been horrendous. We'll start with you. Who do you got? Oh man, uh, interesting game to say the least. Because when you look about it, you look at it. This is probably there's an argument to be made that Washington is the is the best matchup against Tampa Bay with the pass rush they have. We know how to beat Brady. Tom Brady specifically, right? Tom Brady specifically. There's a blueprint on how to beat him, and one of them is to get pressure. And that front seven is electrifying, led by Chase Young, who says, "I, I want Tom Brady." Uh, you know, again, that might be a death wish. But who knows? Uh, the problem is Washington's offense. I, I watched Alex Smith last week, and I'm just – he's a great story. He is the comeback player of the year. Uh, God bless everything he's done. He's just not a mobile guy. Anytime he's on the run, it, it, the pass comes out probably the same as I would throw it. Uh, he, he, again, he almost threw them. Again, if Jalen Hurts is in that game, he threw them out of that game last week uh, if Jalen Hurts is playing that fourth quarter. So – uh, I just I'm not sold on that offense doing enough, so I like the I like the Buccaneers to win an ugly game this week in the postseason. And that yeah. would wrap up the playoffs. Nick, hey, who do you got? Hey, <laughs> uh, I was gonna say uh, you look at this game right away solely on records, you would think that the Buccaneers are gonna walk away with it. But it's interesting because Washington's five and one under Alex Smith. It's amazing that uh, once you get rid of a quarterback like Dwayne Haskins and you get a guy who. Like you said, well, Alex Smith is not the most mobile guys, but he made enough of the plays where it made them competitive in a uh, garbage fire, dumpster fire of a division <laughs> that still, yeah, it was competitive all the way down to the final week where they clinched against Philadelphia. But uh, I just think that the Bucks are going to find a way to get past them, probably in an ugly fashion. I think the spread is a little too much by them given by Tampa Bay given eight, but I think the Bucks are going to walk out of Washington with a victory. Now this would wrap up the NFL. First round of the playoffs, boys. Let's make early predictions. We have all seven teams technically still in. Two teams with buys. Nick, we'll start with you. Who makes it out of the AFC first? Who makes it out of the AFC? I'm going to go with the Bills. Let's go, man. I like the Bills. Let's Nobody go. <laughs> circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills. I think they're good enough where they can get through and they can beat uh, this Chiefs team that we were talking about before. Is not very good against the spread, first of all. And uh, to me, scoreless. they have not been scoring as much as they should be. 100%. They've only won over the last 10 or so games they actually have won. It's only been by a margin of 7 or less, so it has been crazy. Goose, who makes it out of the AFC? Yeah, I got the Chiefs. Uh, <laughs> listen, I'm not I'm not concerned by that. Uh, we saw what they did in the postseason last year. Literally the only thing that stopped them was them dropping the ball in each of their home playoff games uh, before getting to the Super Bowl. And uh, obviously they ran into a buzzsaw at that point. Had to fight that one out. I, You know, again, just at home... Uh, I, I like, I like the Chiefs at home again. The Bill, you're again. We're asking to pick this before the wild card round. I still need to see more out of Josh Allen. 
I watched him backwards lateral his team out of the postseason last year uh, after leading 16-0 in that game. Um, again, he looks like a different quarterback this year. I need to see more, but I'm going with what I know, and that's Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs uh, finding a way, again, weapons-wise. Uh, we saw it a little bit last year. They didn't really uh, – they're not a team that runs the ball all that much, and we talked about this prior to the prior to the podcast. But, again, in the postseason, it just seems like something that they'll try to implement. And, again, if teams aren't ready for it, they'll start trying to gash them with it. Uh, and then it just makes them literally unstoppable if they start running the football effectively. Now we'll go back to Nick for the NFC. Who do you think makes it out of the NFC? Packers. Not close? Uh, yeah, I just think they're uh, too much. Rodgers has proven everyone wrong once again. Everyone comes out every year and says, Aaron Rodgers is done, Aaron Rodgers is this. But to no surprise, Aaron Rodgers is doing what Aaron Rodgers does best, looks Straight downfield, up. makes oh, plays. Devontae Adams has been nothing but incredible this year, as well as their uh, tight end, Tanyan, who's been finding the end zone, giving Rodgers more of a weapon. That offense is too much. The defense is enough. I find them getting through the NFC. They trade up for Julian Love, or Jordan Love, rather, and then Aaron Rodgers is the MVP of the year. Goose, who do you, who comes out of the NFC? I mean, that is his big, this would be his big FU season. Win the MVP, win the Super Bowl, win Super Bowl MVP. Um, we've seen nice. this, we've seen this story with Green Bay before. Great, great regular season, uh, only to get a bye, and that actually hurt them. Uh, we see, we've seen it against the Giants a few times. I, it's hard. I, I think this comes down to Green Bay and Seattle. Um, I really do in the NFC Championship game. And I think it's another classic because those teams, neither one of them knows how to beat the other. So each game just ends up as a mess at the end, which is all fun for us watching at home. Uh, This is tough. I like Green Bay slightly, probably by less than a field goal in the NFC Championship game. Um, This is a team that was softer than white bread. Uh, when you just look at what happened last year to them against the 49ers and against really any team that can run the football in a power in a power sense. But uh, this year they seem to flip the script a little bit. I, I like Green Bay. I really do. So I think it's Kansas City and Green Bay. That basically wraps up the NFL, but we'll move into the AP All-Pro list real quick. I'm only yeah. going to do first team right now because second team obviously has all the ties, tie breakers second and stuff like that. Second team is the first loser. Yeah, so... We'll start with the Associated Press 2020 NFL All-Pro Team roster. Offensively at quarterback, we have none other than Aaron Rodgers of Green Bay. Running back, Derrick Henry wins that award from Tennessee. Tight end, obviously, is Travis Kelsey, and it's also interesting to note on the second team AP, I will mention this, there's no second tight end. So, Travis Kelsey in the league of his own. Wide receivers. surprised they haven't put Evan Ingram there. (laughs) Surprised. Don't even even joke about that. (laughs) Color me shocked. He's garbage. We'll move on to the wide receivers. Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, and Tyreek Hill all get first team nods. And with the offensive line, we have David Bakhtiari of Green Bay, Jay Conklin of Cleveland, Quentin Nelson of Indianapolis, and Brandon Treep of Washington at center, Corey Lindsley of Green Bay. Move on to defense with the edge rushers and TJ Watt and Miles Garrett from Pittsburgh and Cleveland, respectively from the same division. Interior linemen, we have Aaron Donald and DeForest Buckner, Los Angeles and Indianapolis send interior linemen guys. Fred Warner. Bobby Wagner and Darius Leonard all get the nod for first team. At cornerbacks, we have Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey. Safeties, Tyron Matthew of Kansas City and Minka Fitzpatrick and Buda Baker actually split it for the strong safety position. Special teams, we have place kicker Josh Sanders of Miami. Punter, Jake Riley of New England. Lord knows they punted a bunch. Kick returner, Cordell Patterson. Punt returner, Gunnar Alzlecki of New England. They returned a bunch, I bet. And special teamer, George Odom of Indianapolis with long snapper Morgan Cox. That wraps up the 2020 All-Pro list. That stinks for Mick, uh, uh, Mika Fitzpatrick having to share it. But again, at the end of the day, if they get their bonus, it doesn't really matter. And let's just say this out loud now. Cardinals hit with signing Buda Baker early. Everyone thought that was yeah. a bad move. He's All-Pro first team now. Uh, just by the way, one quick note on the NFL. If you're looking to go to the Bills and the Colts game, we mentioned the limited capacity Right now on ESPN.com, if you look, it says tickets as low, and this is not a typo, tickets as low as $10,000 right as now. As low? As low as $10,000. That thing is pure gold up there in Buffalo. Uh, there's only, you know, they're they're all kind of separated up there. It's a, it's a long drive up to Buffalo. Uh, but, uh, yeah, if you're willing to spend ten grand, you're going to go to the Bills game this weekend. But, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for the NFL. We'll see uh, how everything plays out next week. And uh, we'll obviously keep track of records in the postseason 
uh, when it matters, when it really matters the most. Now it's time for stuff that's more important than life itself. Steve! The Avengers? Cohen! Okay, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk a little baseball, because uh, it was a huge, huge week that's for the New York Mets as they acquire shortstop Francisco Lindor and uh, right-handed pitcher Carlos Carrasco, uh, Carlos Cookie Carrasco, as they call him, in a deal for Andres Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario, Isaiah Green, an outfield prospect, and a uh, uh, right-handed pitcher prospect, Josh Wolf. Uh, so basically, a bag of Lay's chips and a uh, Arizona out of the vending machine. Uh, all for Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. Uh, guys, listen, I know we're all Mets fans here. Nick, I'm going to give you the floor. This is the beginning of the Steve Cohen era. Talk about it. Well, the beginning actually started off when Steve Cohen came in and won his presser. He got Marcus Stroman on board to sign. That's the start right there because that was an immediate hole that needed to be fixed. Break it down for us, baby. So right there, that's Jump Street where Steve Cohen wins over like his Jump fans. Street. 21, 22, or 23? Anyone you pick. All right. <laughs> but uh, So that's positive right there. Then he goes out and gets the relief pitcher in Trevor May, who is a flamethrowing right-hander who's going to come out of the pen, give you innings, and you know, lockdown, which is something that the Mets really need. Then we keep moving forward. There's a sweepstakes in the catcher. Everyone's looking at JT Realmuto, and then there's James McCann right behind him, who had a good year in Chicago last year. But with Chicago having his Monty Grandal, makes sense for him to walk. The Mets swoop in, get him for the right price, get him for around a four-year deal, which is keeping them right under budget, enough where they can pursue superstars, which is still to talk with, with George Springer, possibly Trevor Bauer in the making in a perfect world. But And then we flash forward to what happened yesterday when the Mets, who uh, were pretty quiet about this all year, when there was a lot of speculation when Hard. Steve came in right away, a lot of analysts were like, Mets, Cleveland, it's a match made in heaven. Probably because of the sole fact is you know that Cleveland's not going to be able to afford Francisco Lindor for the long term. The Mets have a solid core right now in which they could, in, they could start to extend and build upon to find themselves in a really positive foreseeable future where they can build not only just from their prospects up but be competitive at the major league level for a long time so they get that and it's just a really exciting feeling finally in new right. york i guess yes. like i just can't stop smiling after hearing it yesterday it's finally nice to hear that the mets of the team going out and opening their wallets after years of being behind Wilpon. steve cohen so far has done a great job and this was such a great trade but to me what really is going to win the trade is if the Mets do lock up Lindor for the long term. Now, that's the one thing that comes in with this trade. It's fun to say, looking out, how the Mets still have all a bunch of their top prospects, like Peter Crow, Armstrong, their shortstop, Ronnie Mauricio. Uh, then there's a they have uh, Brett Batley playing third base for them in, the, in their minor system. Dropping the farm names. So dude. these are all guys who are in their top five that they got to keep. Francisco Alvarez is a catcher who's been linked in a rumor that the Mets are possibly interested in Chris Bryant with the Cubs. But uh, Sandy Olsen came out saying they want to keep their top prospects which is perfect and they didn't even touch guys like jd davis or brandon nimmo where they can go out and make another move so this is an ideal situation but like i said if you're the Met, if you're a mets fan it's good to root for it right now saying that we gave up nothing but until you see lindor sign an extension or the mets make a serious serious run with him there for one year then you'll win the trade. And it's almost like a, the crazy Kawhi Leonard situation. If Kawhi would have stayed with the Raptors, I'm hoping Lindor stays with us. But you got him for one year. Now everyone's talking championship out of nowhere. Like, for the Raptors, I know it was kind of speculation and luck. But, like, who knows? The Mets might be in favor. Goose? Yeah, you, you look at what they traded. They traded basically two pure shortstops for one. And now get to move McNeil back to his probably more comfortable position of second base. And you keep his bat in the lineup. Uh, that's important. And Sandy Alderson did say he wants to get some uh, he wants to get some he more help up the middle. Uh, so that is either you want a backup catcher, which I don't think he's referring to. You either want more starting pitching help, Trevor Always. Bauer, or you want a center fielder because you just you just meshed your middle of the infield. Save my so uh, you know, yeah. is George Springer coming? That's been that's oh, been a yeah. heated heated topic. Uh, we'll see what happens there. From what I've seen on that so far, Springer's asking for a lot, but they're probably going to have to... I want, I want to say he was asking probably around 150, maybe over that. And then I saw some reports saying he'll probably end up between 125, 130. If the Mets can solidify that to get him in the center field and get him for you know an extended period of time where the AAV isn't too much on the tax, then this is a serious help that they have up the middle and makes them so much stronger. Well, you guys have brought it up repetitively. It's the right price, and I agree with it. If you can't get him for the right price, like JT right now, catcher, don't pay him. 
Don't get him. I don't know. Nope, McCann was a perfect option for the Mets. He fits in well, and it's going to be a solid bat. I mean, the guy batted 275, 285, respectively, in 2019 and 2020, so. And we'll stick on bats. Do you guys think the DH will be rolled out over the MLB over the course of the season? Uh, that's the million-dollar question. I saw a report saying that, as of right now, that the National League wasn't going to do it. But to me, I'm a person who always loved when pitchers batted. I was a baseball purist. But in this day, in I don't really like it. Like just I, I always liked game, that. Fan, growing up watching it, I always loved watching a pitcher hit because I always thought that's what it was. But if you're if you're one of the big wigs in baseball and you're looking for a way for this game to stay alive and you're trying to get people involved in the game more, then I guess your answer is you got to keep the DH because then there's more Throw of a chance. Pounder out there. <laughs> more of a chance of a long ball and some more because people are there really to see run scored and big hits and then of course when you get into the later innings in tight situations if you're rooting for the pitcher you're going to root for that obviously Lord but knows the perfect game will be skyrocketing down if that happens yeah well you're not going to really see that anymore anyway because you see a lot of teams switch into this this idea where your starting pitcher can only really give you five six innings and then you go to a bullpen from there <laughs> on out now <laughs> yes exactly in the world series <laughs> oh man uh yeah unreal uh, you said the million-dollar question. It's a millions-dollar question when you look at a guy like Dom Smith, who he could make millions of dollars if they keep the DH this year uh, just because of the way the Mets lineup is shaping out. Now, with a DH, we lose moments like Bartolo Colon hitting a home run. So a a top-five moment in, in baseball history. We would lose that opportunity. Now, I'd be willing to sacrifice it. It's okay. We had our moment. We How had about our the time. Grom letting up one run and scoring the other for the yeah, hitting the solo home run to tie it. Actually, you know what? Now I'm flipping back to. The, I want the pitchers <laughs> to bat because this happens to Degrom way too much. He doesn't get the run support, so he may have to do it himself. Throwing himself out of batting. Um, but you, I mean, you look at it in this Mets team, and and again, we talk about it every year. This is what they do. They get you excited, but I, it's a different kind of optimism this year because you literally have the best pitcher in all of baseball. And the best one in New York. Sorry, Yankee fans. Cry me a river. Like Justin Timberlake saying, cry me a river. Um, I really don't care about your feelings. Uh, Garrett Cole is not on the Grom's level. It's that simple. And then you look at you look at guys. Like you mentioned, Stroman's coming back. Uh, Syndergaard's probably coming back midway through the year, I would imagine. Uh, that's probably when he'll get back to full strength. Uh, and then you got a guy like Carrasco. You got, you that's know. Solid back end guy right there. Yeah. You got, I, I think Matt's is still on the roster, I think. Um, you yeah. got the guy Dave Peterson from last year who pitched well. Um, and then, you know, you just kind of figure it out. Uh, and you get some more bullpen guys. So, you know, maybe Seth Lugo comes back. You know, where is he going to fit in? Ideally, how, you want to throw Seth. Sorry to cut you off, but ideally you want to throw Seth Lugo in the bullpen. I mean, you, yeah. I mean, he was nice to have as a spot starter all those years ago. In, I think it was 2016, right after the Mets made the World Series. Him and uh, Robert Giselle and pit, yep. pretty much came up and pitched the Mets to that wild card spot. But he's proven that he's this elite guy in the back end of your bullpen, and there's no reason why he shouldn't be your setup man. He's shut the door. He's got electric fastball. And it's also tough, too, because I know he doesn't always bounce back and pitch on back-to-back days, but take full advantage of a guy. He's armed like that. Stack up your bullpen. I like what the Mets are doing. Sandy Olsen and... Steve Cohen are doing a great job of adding depth to this New York Mets team, which I think they should continue to do. Maybe get one more bullpen piece, and then uh, if you could sign, if you could sign Springer at center field, that'd be perfect. And I'm going to be realistic and say the Mets aren't going to get Bauer, but in a perfect world, that'd be nice. I would even settle for an Ordizzi type. So let's take our fan aspect aside. Nope. Serious, nope. Hold serious on. prediction. Now, serious Hold prediction. On. Do the Hold Mets on. win the World Series? Since since I've been eight years old, <laughs> I have to hear the Yankee fans every year. We're going to get God to come down and play for our team for $400 million. Most of the times they I, do. I've been hearing <laughs> all this crap. They say, do you remember the Mike Trout pictures that were going? Uh, oh, dude, Mike Trout's going to run our center field for the next 15 the years. <laughs> uh, yeah, literally. So I'm going to enjoy my moment a little bit. Um, but, I mean, listen, the way this team is set up, I don't see why not. Again, you don't know where the injuries are going to come from. Injuries are inevitable. Uh, they happen in every sport, especially to the Mets. Uh, we've seen this time and time again. But, but that was the death. Wilpon Mets. Right, yes. right. That's, <laughs> so, that's what's different. And listen, that's what everyone keeps that doesn't really understand. This. That's why um, Strowman was signed. Listen, it's it's, the only thing we have left, and I, and I will say this, the Mets can contend for a World Series if, if Pete Alonso sages the locker room. He has to save the locker room of the Will Ponds demons. He's not the Kyrie Irving of this team, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we got to find one of them. Somebody's got to sage the room, okay? Because those demons need to go out and uh, get stuck in traffic. We'll talk to Kyrie in, a second in New York, too. right? 
Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think this team, you know, the way they're currently constructed, they can contend. And if they add that extra piece, um, I think it puts them right there. I think they can definitely win the division. Uh, and I don't think that would be, I don't think that would be uh, their ceiling. I think it would be the no, floor more than anything. I feel like Steve Cohen, what he's doing for Mets baseball, he's the savior. All of us fans could be ecstatic. Do we welcome bandwagoners? I don't know. I don't think Not so. yet. Not yet. We'll see in July. Um, <laughs> we'll see at that point. Let's get through April first. Yeah, we'll start taking applications at that point. But again, we have to get there. Uh, like Nick said, we got to get through April. We can feel but those it. are usually our better our better months anyway. Well, April, April we rip off those win streaks. Then yeah. May June is just. Yeah. Don't let's not talk about that. Boo. Yeah. We'll move on. Kyrie Irving, you mentioned him saging the place. Kyrie Irving now for the Nets, and we'll move on to the NBA. All of a sudden, he's a no show last night. That's a piece. He's publicly stated now that he didn't need a coach. He didn't need a coach, rather. Steve Nash, he said he didn't need a coach in October because him and Kevin Durant could coach a team if they needed to on the floor. Doesn't text Steve Nash yesterday. Steve Nash comes out today and says he didn't know where Kyrie was. No reason for it. No reason after. Is this good for the franchise? This is your franchise piece. It's a local team. Bro, they run the team. Nets are in shambles. They run it. No. <laughs> listen, they run the team. It's the same way with every star player. We literally heard reports of Kawhi Leonard saying, eh, I don't want to wake up. The flight depends on when I get there. Let not mind Kawhi Leonard 3-1. That's all I need to tell Kawhi. <laughs> well, listen, uh, Kyrie Irving's going to do his own thing. And, again, you know, he states personal reasons. So, you know, we don't we don't really know. Again, you probably should let your coach know. I would think that would be a, a, at at least half-decent thing to do. As a man. Just say, hey, coach, like, uh, yeah, I'm just not going to make it tonight. Instead of just leaving him out in the dark, uh, he did say it was unacceptable, um, and rightfully so. So you, you, so the excuse can't be that good, right? Well, we're we're gonna find again. This we will, won't get. It, we we will not get an answer from the Pedro Serrano of the NBA. We will not get a response, uh, and because Ky, Kyrie's gonna do his thing, Kevin Durant's gonna do his thing. He's in quarantine right now. Um, Seth Curry of the 76ers tested positive right before the game last go. night. That team found out that, in the middle of the game. That yeah, was that, team, that team's in trouble. Uh, they're going to have to uh, uh, quarantine for a little while. So just crazy. It's probably you know something. It's probably better that Kyrie wasn't there. You know, in terms of uh, knowing that somebody had the virus there. But uh, yeah, Kyrie. I don't know. He he just kind of marches to the beat of his own drum, and that's that's really the best way I could describe it. I mean, when you look at the league entirely, you, you always saw Kyrie Irving underneath LeBron, and LeBron specifically because he, he wanted to get out of under LeBron when he was leaving, running yeah, the Yeah, he Celtics. didn't want to be his son anymore. Yeah, and now all of a sudden he's teaming up with Kevin Durant. Your son now is still the Kevin Durant. He's the second best player in the world when healthy. I hope Kyrie understands that. And now he's disrespecting his coach. It just Yet he takes more shots than Kevin Durant. Yeah. And more shots in the fourth quarter than Kevin Durant. I mean, I, so that's that, got to limit. To, that's going to be something interesting to watch as the year goes on. How that dynamic and the end of games goes, because again, it's inexcusable. Because what, again, here, what do we hear about LeBron all the time? He has to take the last shot. Oh yeah. He, and he gets killed when he doesn't. But he's the best basketball player most of the time. Correct. But what are we doing when Kevin Durant doesn't take the best shot? Are we saying, well, his, well, his teammate didn't pass it to him? Or it like, is that the excuse? Is that where we're headed uh, in terms of actually criticizing him for not demanding the basketball? Because again. This is what we do to stars. We demand the best. But that's another good point. You talk stars, you talk Kyrie having the ball. Maybe cooler heads prevail. Maybe KD's not pissing off Kyrie in essence to make that relationship work, to see where they can go. Maybe win his own championship with his own legacy in a new city. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Nick, Nick, what do you got? I mean, this has got to be something that uh, Nets fans had to, had to know coming in before signing Kyrie, right? I mean, all over the place you hear yeah. about his actions and Staying how he is in the, the locker room. and. <laughs> So this has got to be something that Nets fans had to expect, but when he goes out and performs the way he's performed so far, it's kind of easy to overlook this. But it's uh, certainly an interesting situation not letting your coach know. But uh, who knows, maybe there was a legitimate reason and there was just some sort of bad communication. But I just think if uh, Kyrie finds a way to just show up and shows up and he drops 30-something points, Net fans really won't care. Yeah. I think Kevin Durant maybe... Kind of Maddie and sign with the Knicks. The Knicks have been playing fantastic general basketball. I was gentlemen. just going to say, Talk speaking of it. teams that everybody's going to look over, uh, and I mean, again, at some point they're going to come back down to the, to what they should be. You think so? Uh, yes, I do, actually. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Julius Randle's not going to, you know, I don't think he's going to win most improved player in this league. That's what he's going to have to do to drag them to 500 and uh, potentially a playoff group. But, no, again, they're playing really well. Tom Thibodeau's getting them to play hard. 
uh, Tom Thibodeau of the Dimsdale Dimidome. You know, all that Doug stuff. Dimidome, I'm the Dimsdale Dimidome. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I, again, you just kind of like what you see. And, uh, uh, you know, again, James Dolan is not there. Uh, and not that he sold the team, just he's not in attendance for the games. So, coincidence? I think not. Uh, I really, I've, I've said this before. I think when the Mets win something legitimate, like a World Series, the Nick fans will riot at Madison Square Garden. Oh, yeah. They will want him to sell because they will see a curse lifted off a franchise and then <laughs> win a championship. And they're going to want him to sell to Steve specifically. <laughs> <laughs> right. Steve Cohen might own that. That'll own MSG and SNY. That would be crazy. That would be Never mind. Ridiculous. Too much political pull over here. Enough that, of you, Steve. that would be a lot of power. Unless by you're the bringing way. everyone, bringing Trout. Right. <laughs> Trout's not going anywhere, bro. Um, but no, it, the NBA and Steph Curry's look great. Uh, the Warriors are starting to kind of find their way. And we talked about this, Joel, on right in the preseason. Steph's got to be that guy. He's got it. He scored, what, 62 the other night? Yeah, it was 62 of the other, like, 110, I think it was. At the time. Yeah, he played really well. Uh, he's been playing really well. And again, is that good? Oh, it's great. Oh, okay. This is this is what we demanded from him, was excellence, because we've asked other point guards to carry, and, I, you know, this isn't, like, lightly. I mean, like, put them on your back and take them to the playoffs, which is the promised land for that team that year. So, uh, again, you got an aging Draymond Green. You don't have Klay Thompson. You don't really have much else. Uh, you have James Wiseman. Uh, and then you got a bunch of guys that you couldn't name from Adam on that team. So, and they're, they're playing pretty decent. I think they still have Andrew Wiggins. I don't, I don't know if he still plays basketball for a living. Um, who, who really knows, but regardless, they're going to, you know, they're going to play, they're going to play again. They play in the West. It's hard, but, uh, you know, you got the Phoenix Suns are playing pretty well, uh, with CP three there. Chris Paul effect. Yeah. You got the Mavs, Luka Doncic, um, you know, Paul Pierce. I think, uh, what was it? Paul Pierce said he saw a lot of him in Luka. Uh, so that means he's gonna see his guy. Yeah, so, he meant slow, man. So, so that means he's gonna find somebody in the league, the best player in the league, and he's gonna hold a gra- grudge, and he's gonna hate them. Uh, and then he's gonna, you know, poop his pants and get a wheelchair and come back into the finals. I game. hope you guys know Paul Pierce just jinxed the Celtics for as long as Luca's in the NBA. Yeah, well, you jinxed the Celtics the minute you tried to talk to me about Tristan Thompson being a great. Oh yeah, weeks ago team. he's he's been bad. Theus, yeah. Theus has been the key there. Jalen yeah. Brown's been worth every dollar. Nice. Jason Tatum has his forty burger on the season already. Team's looking good for the seas. Philadelphia is also looking good. More what does a forty burger taste like? Does that taste pretty good? I would guess with cheese and bacon. Okay. Yeah, so, I think so. Yeah, no lettuce, good. no tomatoes. You get fifty with that. Okay. You gotta stack it. But right. forty, you're starting to work the condiments. Or you, got, <laughs> or you get sixty, like Bradley Beal had the other night in a loss. Pretzel burger, uh, pop cheese. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this, uh, we're gonna de- we're gonna turn away from our advertisement for Wendy's uh, because they don't pay us to sponsor them. Uh, but regardless, uh, you know, I uh, just want to talk real quick. The uh, the NCAA has decided that each each men's and women's uh, is going to be held tournament March Madness is going to be held in one city. The men's is going to be Indianapolis, and the women's is going to be San Antonio. And speaking of tournaments, on a previous episode, I had mentioned why they don't expand the college football playoff. I have done my due diligence, listeners. They're in contract for a fourteen playoff until twenty twenty six. I'll see you guys then. Ew. Yeah. Oh wait a minute. Hold on. I'm like they haven't broken contracts before. <laughs> Get out of here with that. Uh, great job by the NCAA. Again, I think this is one of the only ways we could see a true March Madness is if it is in one city. Again, just with everything going on and who's going to have the vaccine by then, who knows. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll talk a little NHL. Nick, I know we got the NHL coming up. we got some realignments, uh, Nick. What's a, going on here, with the NHL? in a couple weeks? Yeah, it's uh, less than a week away, January 13th. Oh, That's boy, this oh, upcoming boy, oh, boy. Wednesday. It's back, and uh, it's going to be a little different this year. Well, they're going to do 16 teams are going to make the playoffs four from each division there's four divisions you got the north division that's all of canada's teams so they're going to be up there due to covid restrictions it's just going to be the north all of canada's going to be playing each other we the north yeah so it's i guess it's a good way to uh keep the united states teams out and they can uh bring covid i guess across the border in the west we got anaheim arizona colorado the kings minnesota the sharks St. Louis Blues and the Vegas Golden Knights. Ooh, that's good. In the Central, we've got the Carolina Hurricanes, Chicago Blackhawks, Columbus Blue Jackets, Dallas Stars, who had just tested positive for some COVID. They have a bunch of players out. I believe their first three games are going to be postponed. Alrighty. So it's going to be interesting how that's going to play out. Detroit, 
Red Wings, Florida Panthers, Nashville Predators, and the Tampa Bay Lightning are in the Central Division. And in the East, you got the Boston Bruins, Buffalo Sabres, New Jersey Devils, New York Islanders, New York Rangers, Philadelphia Flyers, Pittsburgh Penguins, and the Washington Capitals. And uh, to me, looking at this right now, the East is probably the toughest division in the NHL. You got the Metro, probably every year's the toughest. Now you add teams like Boston, Buffalo team that added Taylor Hall. Uh, this is going to be real tough East. Yeah, he's going to have a reunion this year with oh, the Devils. Honestly, all these conferences um, are good alignments. I like it. There's going to be good matchups all year. No, and good for Canada. I mean, like, imagine having a team from Florida who, you know, we know what's going on, <laughs> going up to Canada. It's still spring break over there. They're like, what are you year. doing, A? And, uh, you know, uh, all that good stuff when they try to get them to wear a mask. But uh, all jokes aside, uh, I think it's real smart, again, by them, just to mitigate travel just a little bit. Stay within the country. Uh, and kind of go from there. And the playoff format I found interesting, too, as well. As I said, there's going to be the top four teams from each division, and the first two rounds are going to be interdivisional. So you got the number one seed in the division taking on the number four, nice. two versus three. Then the winners are going to match up against each other, and then I guess they're go each division is going to send out somebody to, I'm going to assume, a centralized hub right? somewhere like the NHL did, which we saw was very mm-hmm. successful, then the NBA, so the first and now, now we're going to see uh, college basketball doing that, which we've proven to be very well done, tested rapid, so good job to the NHL now figuring this out. But the only thing that's uh, interesting to me now, too, as we look at these COVID protocols, a team like the Dallas Stars just tested positive. While it is geographically close because they're just playing a lot of interdivision games, what happens now if there's an outbreak? Is there a plan in place if you have to make up certain amount of games? I don't, I'm don't. i not entirely sure how the NHL has that laid out. But that's certainly a question you got to have If because right away we see season didn't even start yet. You didn't even get out of training camps where they're not having any preseason matchups and there's one team already missing their first three games. Well, right. like hockey, like the NFL, they're always going to get their games off. doesn't matter when. They'll figure out a way. I think hockey is the most prepared for this season moving forward and what to do around if people get COVID than that any other league was because they have to do it on the fly rather than months of planning like baseball gets the chance to do next uh, season coming up. Yeah, and again, I'm not surprised it happened in Texas. Um, that's just the way it has been. But no, I... And California's te- <laughs> due up soon, man. LA County's bad. Yeah, you're on deck. Um, no, I, I think it's really fascinating. But we've seen all these leagues. They've had to have, they've had to have action plans ready for this. And if you don't, you're, uh, you should be ashamed of yourself. Because this, again, that's one of the first questions out of any doctor's mouth before they clear any plan for this league. What happens if there's an outbreak? Um, I think the geographic closeness helps because now if just say like the Devils had to go play the Kings out on the West Coast, you'd probably have to allow a full day's travel for that. But if you can get to a certain city or you're close enough to a city already, you can, you can try to make up a game real quick. Uh, something like that. I, I like them. I think they're going to get innovative here. I think they end up in a bubble again. By that time, it'll be, what, June, July? Uh, again, we still don't know what the world's going to look like at that moment in time. Everything um, might be great. Everything might be great. Right. So, who you know, again, who knows with the vaccine? Uh, I'll keep you guys up to date because I'm getting shot in the arm soon. Um, Goose is not an anti-vaxxer, folks. You do not need to get on this case. No, I believe in science. I, and I'm in phase one. I'm in phase one B, so I'm right after uh, well, first responders. I'll probably get in second or third like round because I'm just not in the medical field or anything like that. But yeah. Goose, if your face like half slashes or anything, you guys know not to take it. Well, I got it we'll for three reasons. <laughs> one, I work in the schools. Two, I work at Amazon, which means once Amazon gets the rights to the vaccine, they're they're gonna bring in the dudes with the big white jackets. They're gonna strap me down and stick the needle in my play arm. Some Drake, free smoke, free and it's, smoke. And it's literally gonna be a pre-recorded video of Bezos telling me to get back to work um, as he just you know became the second richest man in the world losing his title of the top um, it's a financial but, podcast now too yeah <laughs> no uh, we just got completely away from sports there uh, but that's going to do it for episode 33 here on the podcast and the air it out podcast uh, you can follow me on twitter at gosker 56 uh, or on instagram at goose on the mic you can always reach out there uh, Nick, where might people be able to find you? Uh, thanks for joining us. It's been a lot of fun. Again, we could keep this conversation going all night. Yeah, a ton of fun coming back on this. I uh, always love talking uh, any sort of Mets and New York sports. Love keeping up with sports. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at NickMax69 or on Instagram at Nick uh, NickMcCarthy10. Mets Twitter. 
Stay linked in, man. We're gonna be getting you all off season. <laughs> when we start rolling and we eventually win the World Series, the roof on this place is going to explode. Jolan, where might they be able to find you and or the podcast? You can follow the podcast on Instagram at airitout.podcast or Twitter at podcast air it out. You could follow me on Twitter and Instagram at good old Joel's. Any questions, comments, concerns, or compliments, you could reach us at those. Goose. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening again. Any feedback, reach out to us. We want to hear everything. We want to get you. We want to get you on the podcast. We want to hear you. We want to do all this stuff. Uh, we want to have a great 2021. Uh, and, and as Jolan always says, to the moon and back, uh, we're going this year. So until episode 34, Jolan, until the divisional round in the NFL, and until the next Mets big free agent signing. Blank check season. Put it in the books. Yeah.